Talking about their babies and supporting their ladies. Talking about the struggle. Talking about Big Papa. Yeah. Hello out there, pandemic land. It's Dan Worry Smith, another episode of Big Papas. And on the line today, I have a couple of old friends of mine, uh, a couple that I'm really excited to speak with, Dana and Will Gardner. They are residents of New Jersey. Uh, they're parents, of course, that's why they're here with me and uh, speaking to all of you today. Uh, welcome to the show, Dana and Will. Thanks for being with me. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. You bet. So I want to jump right into just kind of the parenting thing. Obviously, everyone's mind is on the whole coronavirus crisis as it's it's ongoing, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, just kind of generally, your son, Holden, I know is uh, 10 years old now. I, I met him years and years ago, um, so I really don't know all that much about him. Just kind of generally, like what's going on in his life and uh, and how are the two of you interacting with him as parents? Well, Holden is, like you said, he's 10 years old. He is a whip-smart little child. He is actually in the academically talented program here in our school district. Um, probably the best thing that could possibly have happened to us as far as human beings go, you know. Um, every day the kid impresses me with his... Uh, both his, his intellectual and creative curiosity and his emotional depth, like it surprises me. I don't remember being half that capable when I was 10. <laughs> I was drawing pictures of big trucks and airplanes and causing trouble on the playground. So, yeah, he uh, he's good. He's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a great kid. That's a glowing review. That's that's awesome. Um, and I know that uh, a couple years ago, the two of you had lived in Portland, Oregon, and you moved uh, well back to New Jersey, which which is where Dana grew up. And uh, Dana, your mom had adopted your two nephews, and they have kind of integrated into your family. You know, it's definitely uh, a very unique situation, certainly as far as any of the guests that we've had on the show. So I just wonder, both of these boys are older than Holden. And I'm just curious, kind of, how did that introduction and integration into the family uh, kind of work out in the early days? How has it affected you, and, and how is it going at the moment? So, um, so it's a an interest. It's been an interesting situation. Um, when we were living in Oregon, my mother had come out to visit um, a couple of times with the boys, and we always came out here a, a couple times a year. So, so they knew each other, and um, Holden, as young as he was, um, we have always been really open about the situation with my sister in that she's had a lot of problems and... Um, there was drugs involved and it ended up in, you know, my nephews going to live with my mom. So he kind of always knew we never kind of sugarcoated it, the situation there. And that one day it was possible that we were all going to live together. It's always been on our, our radar. It was always on our radar. So we had that going into <clears throat> it. And, um, it was difficult at first when we moved here um, because Holden was an only child for six years and he was the head honcho for sure. He was used to all of our attention, our little 
three-piece thing. You know, we, we ate all our meals together. We did activities together. We were, it was just the three of us. And then all of a sudden, there was two more, and they wanted my attention or Will's attention. And, you know, things... Oh, what was it? Hold well, on. you know, these are two kids that had... Um difficult families to be very you know minimalist on it right. um a mother who had signed basically signed off of him the older child's never known his father the younger child did know his father and is not a good person that, that father um there had been some so, some emotional abuse at the very least if not physical um hmm. So suddenly we, you know, we're in a different family dynamic where Holden is no longer it. He's not just the only one, and we're trying to spread the love around. To um, people who haven't had it like yeah. he has. Yeah. Hasn't had the love of two parents his entire life. And, you know, Easy Street compared to my nephews who, you know, like, like Will said, Robert had never, he... His father was there until he was two, and then he saw him once when he was four, and that was it, and he's 17 now. And so it was a very different... Uh, it was a big challenge. It was, it was yeah. a big challenge. Still a challenge. There's still times when it's, um, can we just have a, a mommy holding day or a daddy holding day, you know, or just, just us as a, you know, the gardeners, you know, and, and we do. We do. We, we, we make time for that, too. To continue, it, it, it's an interesting dynamic, and it's kind of a, sometimes I, I feel bad about it. Sometimes I don't feel bad about it at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's had to go from being a single child to the youngest of three. And you said that he's a pretty, you know, emotionally evolved kid. Was, I'm sure there was at least some challenges to it, but was there any, like, negativity from him? Like, this is no good, I don't want this? Like, how how did he adapt to it in those early days? He missed Portland more than he disliked being here. <laughs> okay. He missed, you know, the friends and the, and the, and the social group that we had there. Um... Portland, Oregon versus, you know, central New Jersey, very, very different places. Right. It's hard to get more different and still be in the same country. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but if you ask him now, yeah. he, he loves it here and he loves, um, and he loved it then. He loved having someone to always pl play with and, um, you know, just other kids yeah. always there in yeah. that interaction. And honestly, while there was challenges... I think for Holden, it has been a bet. Having them around has enhanced his life and made his life better. I think if you were to ask him that, he wouldn't want it any other way. Well, I, I'm sure there are lots of challenges that come with it, and you know, certainly, uh, hats off to the both of you for for taking that on. I mean, it, you know, it's a kind of thing that, not to say many people would even be called upon to do something like that, but I'm sure plenty of people would shy away from it. So, you know, it, it sounds like. Um, at the very least, you're you're offering to bring all this positivity to to two people who you're related to who who may have been deprived of it in the past, and it sounds like, uh, you know, hopefully it's enriching all of your lives in the process. Um, you you mentioned the differences, you know, kind of the 
uh, how opposite central New Jersey and Oregon are. And one of the things I wanted to ask, I know, Will, you're originally from Montana, and you know the two of you lived in Portland together. Uh, obviously, you still know people that are in these different parts of the country. What is your perception of kind of the general differences in the parenting styles of these other communities that you're familiar with and that you used to be a part of? Well, um, you know, I think it comes down to cultural values of the different regions. Um, Montana has a rural frontier, um, you know, love thy neighbor, but, you know, make sure you have ammo kind of uh, concept. So there's a, that comes out in the parenting where kids are put to work early. You, you, you grow up kind of early. You get driver's license at 14. You know, there's there's kids out working the farm at 10, 11 years old. Huh. Um, and that comes through even in the more urban areas of Montana. You still have that um, older cow town, frontier town um, mentality bleeds into it. Especially, you know, with the, the native families like mine. Um, or my dad, who, who was from Wyoming in the same you know situation. You know, he, he grew up working on a ranch. Right. Um, you get out in Oregon, you get out in Portland, and you've got the mom groups. And yeah, the, that's what and the, for, I was thinking about that. So for me, it's as a mother, it's different because I was a first-time mom of a newborn in Portland, and that culture was really hard for me because um, I had difficulty breastfeeding. And I remember feeling really inferior to a lot of other mothers who, you know, it was all, you know, they had these water births and they, you know, strictly breastfed their their child until they were two. And, you know, their child only ate organic this and organic that. And I mean, well, that's granted, that's everywhere. Um, it was a big game in Portland and I felt inferior and I had, uh, I struggled with that. Whereas I think it would have been different if I was a first-time mom here of a young child. Um, it's a completely different culture. Here we live in the suburbs, and um, it's, a lot, it's a lot more, I guess, fast-paced. Yeah, it's and, more of a disposable culture. Um, I always can call Portland or, like, the Pacific Northwest. It was very um, keeping up with the Joneses. Mm. I felt like I was constantly competing with other moms and other families on like the best ways to treat at my child the best things to give my child whereas here i feel like it is more focused on your child as a person and just making sure they have what they need while also the hustle and bustle but that could also be because now like i'm of a working mom of an older child does that make sense yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I, there's definitely, uh, I think in our community here in Toronto, um, certainly a good amount of that, um, maybe judgmental isn't the right word, although in some cases no, I'm no, sure it is, but, but yeah, the, uh, <laughs> you know, the idea of like, oh, what are you doing with your kid and how does that compare and how do we stack up and yeah, organic, all that stuff. And I, you know, Zoe, um, Zoe experienced that same kind of, um, 
with the difficulty in breastfeeding uh, of, of our daughter Goldie um, maybe not so much from the community uh, at least I think her group of friends was always pretty supportive and wh- whoever was experiencing what they were experiencing in that kind of respect wasn't necessarily uh, you know treated negatively but I think I spoke about this on a previous episode of the podcast like we went to see you know a doctor a specialist to, to see if maybe she could correct course on that to, to breastfeed where she was having trouble and she was really shamed by this you know supposed professional someone who should be there to to kind of uplift and, and support and and she found that pretty frustrating um but yeah the, i mean it sounds like uh, i'm sure there there are many other areas of the states and certainly all over the world where things are much different as far as how parents interact and the kind of expectations that they foist upon each other uh, i thought that was an interesting thing to talk about you know while we're talking about culture in america obviously uh down there uh you know this is the kind of thing that's top of mind uh every day i'm sure and it's definitely an interest if not a fascination around the west the rest of the world as people kind of observe america from the outside i know that that we do here in canada um but in the current you know really divided polarized social culture of america what is it like to have a kid you know what is holden and the other boys kind of exposure to that culture like and how does that um you know manifest in your family how do you talk about that kind of stuff okay i'm gonna let will take the lead on this question but i'm gonna preface it with right before coronavirus and this all hit there was that scare of world war three remember yeah i do Okay, and that's um, kind of where I want Will to begin because that was the first initial, like, I can't believe we're having this conversation with our child. The Iranian bombing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was, and then it kind of spiraled from there. Yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna touch touch back on that. I'll get it right back to that point Um, because we're coming to. New Jersey in in the United States is considered a very liberal place, but where we're at in New Jersey is not. Um, We're in sort of a moneyed section of of Central Jersey, Um, a lot of Staten Island influence coming down from, you know, that, that, that forgotten borough, the Republican center of New York City. This is their suburb down here in this section of, of New Jersey, and you see a lot of Trump flags. You huh. see a lot of Trump bumper stickers. You see a lot of MAGA hats. Um, you know, we were talking about coming from Portland, you know, dealing with organic moms, and that's obviously we're coming from a liberal point of view. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I find myself, as I get older, becoming more leftist, um, yeah. which, you know, they tell you isn't going to happen, but I, I'm defying the odds there. So we... Obviously, that has been part of our our family culture and our parenting has been open communication, and we talk about environmental rights, and we to make sure that you know um, we try to, to knock down cases of misogyny or bigotry that they can pick up in the schoolyard, things like that. Um, so Holden has had to come across a change in that, and knowing that we're not the majority in the area so that's been a little weird he's got a lot of people around him whose parents are even to this day which boggles my mind devoted trump supporters huh. just 
Absolutely. Remember when we were trick or treating? Um, our one of our it was either our first or second Halloween in New Jersey, and there was a kid in our neighborhood. It was a fifth grader who was who had was wearing a sumo suit with the Hillary Clinton mask, and he was trick or treating with his parents and some other kids. Like that was their no, idea of the scary. No Halloween kid costume. picks that costume. Like that's a I've, to me that's a very parent influenced thing. And I remember having to explain that to Holden like. I don't know why he's dressed like that. Yeah. I don't know. So as he has gotten old enough to be a little more world aware, he's on the internet. He sees the world. I mean, you know, we talk about it. Like previously, we don't hide. Um, we don't hide stuff from him. Not much. I mean, there's 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 things that we don't talk about just because of his age. He's not going to have any point of reference. But we're very open with him because um, he's a little human being. He deserves to have the truth to the best of our ability that's been a parenting style of ours from the beginning particularly um coming from my end just on the way i was raised in certain ways i felt like i was very sheltered and naive and found out a lot of things um that i feel like i should have found out from my parents but i found out through maybe watching a movie or from a friend so that was something that i knew as a parent i wanted to change i wanted to be open and real about the harsh and cruel realities of and the, the world and, and the and beauty the you know? to hold in. All those things, which I think helps him in, in every aspect. You know, not We don't sugarcoat the world, but at the same time, we don't paint it with a dark and scary brush. Right. But yeah. On that note, getting back to Dana's um, pivot point of, of this, you know, so long ago, back in what? January, yeah, <laughs> when we were worried that the Iranians were going to, you know, pull out their hidden nukes or or, or what have you, you know, he comes up and he literally asked us like, "Is there going to be World War Three?" You know, and that's like, I, I can't believe I had to ask a, answer a question like that, and and I, I take that and I can line it directly back to the person sitting in the White House, like I can take a direct line from that that fear my son has the the question i have to diffuse answers to the best of my ability and you know leaning on our values of 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 honesty and truth but at the same time not scare the pants off the kid and i can take a straight line back to the guy in the white house and i would yeah <laughs> I, it, it angers me greatly, and, and I'm, you know, in an area where uh, just expressing that opinion can can cause my neighbors to not want to speak to me. So it's it's, weird. it's it's so surreal for me. I mean, even though it's been ongoing for you know it's years now into this administration, just you know looking at it from the outside. Um, it, it, it is very surreal and I don't maybe it still remains surreal to you but to be you know I've never seen a MAGA hat in person you know I, I don't I, I think I'd been to the states uh, just before the, you know that election I think I was there and saw a sign you know as I was driving on a lawn or something and even that was a little weird but um, anyways it, it you know it, it's it kind of feels like this uh, 
to, to anyone who is, is of a more progressive ideology the way that the three of us are, it kind of feels like a bizarre shared nightmare, you know, uh, and, and obviously much more intense um, for, for you and anyone else who actually lives in the States. And I always try to remind myself as I kind of witness this horror show and try to only, you know, take a peek every now and then and not really immerse myself in it. Uh, I always just try to remind myself that basically every American I know feels the way that I do about the situation and that my experience in America is filled with so much positivity and joy and so many wonderful people and you know I'm sure it's a lot of uh, it's very possible for a lot of people around the world to think of America as a monolith and this idea that like oh America like what 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 a nightmare you know um but there's just so much there is so much good there sorry go ahead when people think of the monolith, they have to remember that it's the United States. There's a whole, there's fifty of them plus a bunch of territory. So that's you know, it's it's a it's a cluster. Yeah. Um, we <laughs> living in it. You said it was a surreal. It was an ongoing nightmare, a collective nightmare. It, it's exactly that. It doesn't make any sense. And if you actually look at the numbers, the election, the dude lost by three million votes too. So. Um, but that's because we have a um, antiquated seventh, you know, 18th century electoral system based on um, slave owner rights. Right. So there's still there's still big problems with how America treats its democracy. All right. So, so. we we checked off collective nightmare. We're, we talked World War Three. Just uh, just to keep <laughs> just to keep uh, you know this incredibly uplifting content going. Uh, <laughs> before we get into some more light stuff, I do want to ask. How has the pandemic affected your family, your parenting style, maybe kind of what's going on around you in the New Jersey, New York area? What are you guys seeing? What are you experiencing? Um, The kids really haven't left the house since March 13th. Second week of March, yeah. Second week of March. The schools uh, on the 12th, they said that, which was a Thursday, they said they were closing schools the following Monday, the 16th. So we kept them home on Friday. So they've been home uh, going outside and playing, but they've been here. They haven't left the house. Um, Well, there's an ice cream place down the street. There's an ice cream place down the street that they walk to, but they wear masks. Um. They, w- <laughs> we're being you know we're being a little more lax with with excessive screen time. Like yeah. if oh, they yeah. want to, you know they're 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 in this house. We, it's not a situation where we want to come down. Like no, you're you get two hours of this and then you have to find some other way to to entertain yourself or or you know read a book or do, do something like that. Although I do encourage it every single day. Read a book, please. Um, they don't. They don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, I read something online. Okay. All right. As long as you're still using your brain. Yeah. Um. So we we've been a little lax on things discipline wise. Um. They're doing remote learning, which is completely out of the blue. You know, they went from, you know, face to face learning and 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 very focused to suddenly. You know, having to be self-reliant, self-starters. So there's been struggles, even with Holden and his. Um, he's a he's top of the class kind of kid, and we got an email from his teacher in the the second week that he'd just been skipping assignments or turning them in blank. Like yeah, hand, doing the top you know first question and then turning in a black blank assignment. Kind of like badass. 
he was just yeah. trying to figure out a way to get a, get away with it. Right. Um, and when we talked to him about it, he cried. And uh, part of it was, you know, he wanted to get back to his video games. But part of it was just like, I miss school. Yeah. I miss my teacher. I miss my friends. Like, this is not how I want to do this. Like, I just want to get it done because I don't want, you know, because it's not how it's supposed to be. And that's like with all of them. They're just... They're just they're just doing it to get it yeah. done. There, Robert, the seventeen year old, he says he truly believes he has not learned anything since this has started, and he's been doing the remote learning. Yeah, he's. I mean, he has probably been the hardest hit um, because he was kind of at his peak, end of junior year high school socialization. He's got. His girlfriend, he has a little crew of buddies. His boys are playing poker on the weekends. He's his going first to buddy just got his license, you know. Yeah. Like, right. you know yeah. He was supposed to get his driver's license. He, he has been, he's 17 in New Jersey, you can get your license. He's been unable to take that. The driver's license. You know, that, that, that coming of age moment has been denied to him because of this. Oh. His, he was, you know, his girlfriend, he spends a lot of time with her family. They're very close and they have. They were able to do a socially distant party for her birthday, where he got to stay, you know, sit ten feet from her. Um, which, if you remember being seventeen and you're <laughs> ten feet from the girl that you you uh, got the hots for, that's that's hard. That's, that's tough. That's especially yeah, if she's got yeah. the hots for you too. Oh, she, oh yeah, yeah they, they're, they're, they're madly in love. Madly in yeah. love. I, I know you both to be big music fans. We certainly share some interests, uh, whether it's Ween or Fish or you know plenty of other great stuff. Um, what music do you listen to as a family, and what what music, if any, have you tried to turn your kids onto that they've responded to? Um. Well, at a young age, Holden was a lot more impressionable of our music and he loves the beastie boys and stevie wonder um now his music tastes are more influenced by his friends and the internet like he likes um and he likes mostly hip-hop as is matthew um but holden's also been but, to uh but Dead yeah show but us. we've also seen holden's been saw dead and company and um but i guess as a family we, I'm trying to think of music that we, we all like as we, a family. We we have a we have an Alexa downstairs, uh, an Echo, whatever. Right. Um, and there's an ongoing um, contest as to who plays the louder or more obnoxious music <laughs> uh, during or after dinner. We do we do have a family dinner uh, every day. <clears throat> we we sit down. I mean. When I say every day, you know, maybe 28 days a month. Um, right. We, you know, that's super important to me. That was something, as a child, we always ate dinner as a family. And um, we carry that on. We eat dinner as a family every night, and we check in and whatnot. And yeah, we, we all pl- pretty much, we will listen to each other's music. I don't think yeah, we really listen to listen anything to as a family. I will Robert's uh, Death Grips. Okay. Uh, and then we, we make them listen to Ween. Um, and then, you know, Dana's mother will put on Billy Joel. Billy Joel. Right. Yeah. But so. well, I will say that Holden and I, in the car, we have um, an album that we like to listen to and we'll sing together, and that is Mermaid Avenue, which is Billy Bragg and Wilco. Oh, for sure. And uh, Holden 
finds the whole album to be just kind of weird and funny, and he likes to sing the songs with me. So I guess that's one that Holden and I have. Nice. I have a couple more for you. I don't want to keep you, the two of you too much longer. Um, but, you know, trying to keep it on a positive note here as well. Uh, what is your favorite thing about being parents, whether it's maybe a single memory or something that happened or, or something that's kind of recurring as an experience? What's, what's your favorite aspect of it? This is, this is, okay, I love, um, my dogs <laughs> i love my children i love my son and my nephews like they're my children um and very close behind are my dogs and i um and i've had both of my dogs since before i had holden and then before we took my nephews in and um i love watching the relationship between them uh holden you know they've been in his life since um he was a baby and they love him as much as they love, you know, Will and I. And, like, they, they'll go and greet him in the morning. Like, they walk into his room and, like, will hit Puppy. That's our black lab. will hit, hit his hand with his head like, hey, dude. And then Matthew, that's the middle child. Um, I don't think I mentioned this earlier. He has um, his diagnosis of reactive attachment disorder. Okay. Which, uh, if you ever, you should Google it, um, Dan and other people listening. But it... it, it <laughs> could have a whole episode on it but it's children who never had that bonding at a young age with a parent um my sister and his father were never there for him so he has a hard time making meaningful relationships now as a child and it'll affect him for his entire life i can't get into the whole thing of it but i would encourage people to read about it it's an interesting um it's it's an interesting issue anyway he has that but seeing how he is with both of the dogs, but especially the bigger dog puppy, um, sometimes he just goes and he'll lay on him and hug him for like 10 minutes. And you know that that's, that's therapy for that kid. Just that love and that warmth of that dog. Um, I love watching that. And then I love the way Robert interacts with the dogs. So that to me is probably my favorite thing because it's all of my love. Yeah, you the have kids a, and the dog. You have a situation with a couple of kids who have a hard time um, dealing with emotions because they've been through such shit. Yeah. Um, and you bring them a dog. And, and they are able to, you know, connect and be emotionally available for someone else. It happens to be a fur child, but, you know, <laughs> it's another living being, you know, so that's that's good. Nice. Um, I, my personal answer is kind of two-part because, you know, we have... Um, we have a dual family here, you know, because we do share some parenting to the other boys who I, I, I consider them my kids. When I talk to people, I, I, I tell them I have three kids. And then I catch myself, I say one of them, you know, is my, my son. And then, you know, we are in all intents and purposes adopted parents of the others. And, and these are a couple kids that have never had a dad. So I have... You know, you said earlier, get on us, but I mean, it's it's a privilege where I get to, you know, be that. You know, they may resent me in ten years. I don't know. They I won't. may, they I may be never. screwing this all they up. They never will. Don't even. But you can, you know. Of course, there's always going to be issues, but to my to my point, it's it's something that not many people get a shot at, um, and more so the second part with Holden being able to teach new stuff stuff that is 
you know, old hand, even to the older boys or to me or to any, you know, adult, but, you know, one of the best parts of parenting, I think will always be seeing the world through new eyes, you know, being able to, ex- you know, experience a, a, uh, a sunset on the top of a mountain at 9,000 feet or, or learning that, you know, yellow and blue make green, you know, like (laughs) the the big things are those little things, you know, the first time they get to do that and you see the eyes pop, you start to see the gears spinning and, and, and thoughts forming. That's, that's the best. Like the first time holding a cake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the greatest thing or like, I remember the first time we put his feet on grass it was like this is his first time sitting in the grass oh, yeah. like, first time but then there's going to be the first you know there's going to be the first time he drives the first like all those first those are pretty but it was good. also like when we had to put our dog mountain down oh yeah the first time he experienced loss so yeah that's that's the that's the highlights that's the that's the big play reel I mean of course there's the day to day stuff of of, did you brush your teeth? Did, you know, you can't take 50 minutes in the shower. I know you're 12, but you got to get out of there. Um, things like that. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you sign up for the whole ticket, right? It's it's everything. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah, every aspect no, of it. There's no part-time in this if you're at least partially a decent human being. <laughs> I think that's, that's, what it, that's what parenting takes is um, acceptance of the fact that you don't know anything. But you just have to be a good, you know, person and, and try to make sure that your kids are good people. That's, <laughs> my last question was going to be, what's your one piece of advice for parents? But you ba- you basically just just answered that right there. I mean, that's kind of the, the yeah, philosophy I mean, distilled down very succinctly. Yeah, you, you don't know. Your parents didn't know. <laughs> Their parents didn't know. Um, the, the, to circle back to the beginning with the competitive moms, like I swear up and down that whole thing comes from their own insecurities. Right. You know, people who am I doing it right? Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to look at you and I'm just going to say that you're not, and that's going to make me feel better about being a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to compare yourself to other parents is just never going to, never going to work. Never. You do the best by your child, um, and you want them to just come out good, well-rounded humans. And I um, always tell Holden, I'm like, you know, this is my first time doing this. I've never been a parent before, so <laughs> I'm just trying to do the best that I can do, and I'm not perfect. Well, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job. You know, your your boys are lucky to be where they are, and uh, this was certainly a, a sincere pleasure for me. Great to catch up, and, and you know, we covered a lot of ground here. So I uh, just want to say thank you. Uh, thanks for being, being with me, coming on the show today, and uh, sharing your perspectives, your experiences, and, uh, you know, hopefully I'll get to see the two of you at a Ween concert sometime uh, in the semi-near future. And, uh, you know, until then, stay safe. I wish you all the best. Hey, thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Yeah.